I'm Joe Feeks, editor of Poultry Health Today, and with me is Dr. Nola Ferguson. She is a veterinarian and associate professor at the University of Georgia. Always good to see you, Nola. Thank good you. Good to see you, too. Now, I know that your primary focus has been mycoplasma. Yes. Uh, in the past, mycoplasma galliseptacum has been the, the primary cause for concern in, in broilers, but now you're, you're seeing a, 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 another genotype. Would that be the right yes. word? Yes. Uh, well, it's a whole other species, really. So there's been a shift in emphasis and importance, really. Not that mycoplasma galliseptacum is not uh, important. It still is the most pathogenic of the avian mycoplasma species. But more and more, uh, we have reports of virulent mycoplasma synovii and uh, clinical problems associated with mycoplasma synovii. And I think what has been happening is that uh, MS may or mycoplasma synovii has actually always been a problem, but I think that uh, MG really, we've focused on controlling MG quite a bit, and there are several vaccines available and a lot of knowledge out there about controlling MG. And as we get a handle on MG, here we have mycoplasma synovia that is actually becoming more of a problem. And uh, we don't have as good a handle on the control and treatment uh, for mycoplasma synovia. Well, other than a name, how are they different? Well, they actually have uh, slightly different presentations. So mycoplasma galliseptacum tends to be very much a respiratory um, disease. You do see egg production problems as well in long-lived you know, egg-laying birds. But with mycoplasma synovia, you see much more of a spectrum in terms of how the disease can present. So you can see respiratory disease with mycoplasma synovia, and sometimes it can be just as virulent and just as pathogenic as an MG infection. But with MS, you see several other things. One of the things that we tend to see quite often is leg problems uh, because it actually causes synovitis. So uh, you get uh, swollen joints, you can have swollen foot pads, as well as this respiratory um, syndrome. The other things that we see with mycoplasma synovia, sometimes we actually see a pneumonia as opposed to just an upper respiratory tract infection. You can also see uh, problems with the liver. You can have amyloidosis. Uh, we also see uh, effects on the eggshell with mycoplasma synovia infection. So there's a particular uh, syndrome called eggshell apex abnormalities that is associated with MS infection in layers. And then you see several other things as well. Sometimes uh, we actually have encephalitis associated with MS infection. And you just don't really have that variety with MG, only with um, MS. So this, this sounds like a much bigger deal to me. I mean, broiler producers really need to be concerned about this. I think so. I, and uh, broilers in particular, I think, you know, they've always been uh, on top of MS, like actually looking at it as a problem, but they don't necessarily have the tools that they have for uh, MG. And uh, layers, uh, they're really just starting to come around to like, okay, maybe mycoplasma synovia is actually a problem uh, in my production facility as well. Uh, for several years, um, most layers were in the US and internationally are infected with MS and nobody's concerned about it. It's like, oh, they're MS positive, you know, so what? But I think uh, they are actually starting to realize that MS can cause problems. You can have increased mortality. You can actually have 
increase susceptibility to other diseases as well. So you can have more uh, E. coli associated problems with MS infection as well. So there's several other things that uh, can be associated with MS infection. So, and the thing about MS, uh, MG, I think I think of as the like the big bad mycoplasma in the avian world, but uh, MS is actually more difficult and more complicated than MG. It is. It is. It transmits faster. It's more persistent. Uh, it just is more difficult. Well, and when does it normally strike? When do you first see it? Oh, that can be very variable. It depends on the strain, it depends on the birds, it depends on the environmental factors and co-infections. But in broilers, they're usually infected vertically. And, but it takes a little while for the MS to transmit from the couple birds that are infected and hatch MS positive, and then it eventually transmits to the rest of the broiler flock. And somewhere around three you know, weeks is when you start seeing clinical signs, which of course is a really bad time <laughs> because you know, they're going to be going to processing not too long after the clinical signs really start to uh, take off and you have a problem. You can also have infection in breeders, of course, in the adult birds. and. Uh, most of the time you see problems when they start peaking, you know, and I, I mean it's the same with layers. Uh, just the physiological stress, everything that's going on with them coming into lane, they become MS positive. Uh, there is an age susceptibility with both MG and MS, so younger birds tend to be clinically infected, affected, whereas older birds tend to be sometimes they have no clinical science whatsoever. So you can have breeders and layers that are infected and unless you're really paying attention to your mortality and other um, not you know, in your face type uh, clinical signs, very subtle signs, then uh, you can have infection and not even realize that you have a problem or it's having any kind of effect until it transmits to the younger birds vertically and then the broilers actually have air circulitis, pneumonia, leg problems and you realize that it actually came from the breeders as well. When did you first start noticing that mycoplasma synovia was becoming more of a, a problem? Is this something gradual or did it just come out of nowhere? Uh, it was very gradual. So uh, I think this, it just depends on uh, how good, I suppose, a country is at controlling mycoplasma in general. Uh, I think as, as the U.S., they've done a really good job in keeping our mycoplasma prevalence fairly low, especially in the uh, meat-type bird industry. And uh, so we don't really see that many problems with uh, mycoplasma. But uh, I think as uh, different countries focus more and more on controlling MG, they start noticing MS is a problem and you don't have the tools to control MS. So I think it's been a gradual thing uh, and it's kind of like the light kind of turns on for different industries and different countries at different points in time. But I think especially in the last, uh, maybe three to five years, suddenly everybody wants to talk about mycoplasma synovi. Whereas before, everybody was like, eh, I have MS, I don't care, so what? But now I think that uh, more and more people are starting to pay attention. And I think part of what is contributing to that is the situation with antibiotics and antibiotics in feed. Because I think that uh, we used to <laughs> uh, use uh, antibiotics quite a bit to control both MG and MS. And I think just because of the way the industry is going, we're moving more and more away from that. Mm -hmm. And with MG, what people are doing is using more live vaccines to control MG. 
and uh, with MS we don't have as many products available so uh, and they're not licensed in every country so even though you can use live vaccines for MG you may not have an MS option so that you end up being stuck with antibiotics to control MS and then trying to manage your live vaccines for MG and your antibiotics and your live vaccines for MS it tends to be a much more complicated situation. So what tools do we have for preventing and, and controlling Mycoplasma synovia. You mentioned vaccination. Yes. So uh, for mycoplasma, the real you know types of control, vaccines and antibiotics are really you know the only interventions that we have available. Uh, one of the things that we do quite a bit in the U.S. and of course several other countries is biosecurity. And biosecurity, I think, you know, is important for all <laughs> infectious disease and transmissible disease. But uh, there are live and kill vaccines available for MG. For MS, we only have one live vaccine and uh, the killed products are not widely available. So, and uh, they tend not to be as effective as the MG killed products. So they're just fewer tools available. And in a broiler operation, would you begin vaccinating in the, in the breeder? Yes. So the in the, in the U.S., we don't vaccinate meat-type birds at all, except for uh, special situations. So the vaccines are actually used in layers, and we only have licensed in the U.S. currently MG vaccines. We have no licensed MS vaccines. Internationally, they do actually vaccinate breeders as well as layers, and so you vaccinate the breeders to try to control the vertical transmission problem. Uh, the, the broilers don't tend to be around long enough for it to make sense to vaccinate the breeders. Um, most of the vaccines are licensed for administration from three weeks of age or older. So if you're giving earlier than that, of course, it's off-label use. Uh, but three weeks is when you really get the strong immune response and the best uh, response if you wait until three weeks anyway. So uh, you would tend to vaccinate breeders to try to protect them from uh, field infection so that you don't have the vertical transmission and that's how you control the problem at the broiler level. And when you have to resort to antibiotics, are we talking feed medications, water medications, or both? Yes, both. Both. Uh, you can do feed as well as water. The water medication, I think, is uh, preferable, in my opinion, <laughs> generally, just because uh, you can give a high dose in a short period of time and try to knock down the levels. I said you get a diagnosis, you treat, and then uh, you move on, really, you know, with something else. The feed medication tends to be a much more long-term yes. type process where you try to keep the uh, level down over time and actually trying to keep horizontal and vertical transmission from happening at all. But both are, you know, used in the industry. What about diagnostics? Diagnostics, that's close to my heart. Diagnostics is where I think as an industry, uh, we really need to make more of an effort and uh, spend some money on diagnostic, diagno development of diagnostics, as well as actually using what is available. I think that we've made a lot of progress in terms of uh, being able to give precise information very quickly to the industry. We have very sensitive tests, uh, but uh, a lot of times they don't use them. <laughs> and then uh, you end up in a situation where you had a company where they were trying to save 
10 or $15 by not doing an ELISA or a PCR, and you end up in a situation where you have a mycoplasma problem and you are trying to figure out what happened, but because you don't have any information from earlier on in the flock, it's very difficult to tell when they got infected, what actually happened, how can you prevent this from happening in the future. So I think diagnostics are really important for mycoplasma, and not just mycoplasma, but all infectious disease. And uh, you really, I think routine diagnostics in the end can save a lot of money if you are routinely testing your birds for certain diseases. And it doesn't necessarily have to be anything very expensive or cost a lot of money, but I think that that information can be really valuable in the long term. And one final question. Uh, are there certain types of broiler operations that might be more susceptible to mycoplasma synoviae than others? Mm, not really, other than multi-age. <laughs> so, multi-age, which is not something that we really, I think as an industry, we're all moving away from uh, multi-age as a whole to try to control infectious disease. But uh, in uh, broilers in particular, anytime you have a multiple age situation, you have more of a problem. And then uh, we also have environmental um, type factors. For example, MS tends to be um, more severe when it's uh, cold. <laughs> Mycoplasma synoviae is going to be more common in the winter months and transitional months than it would be in the summer, is that right? Uh, you see more severe clinical signs in the winter months and the transitional months, and that's uh, because of the environmental issues. So uh, MS on its own may not be um, very pathogenic and you don't see a lot of problems, but when you put respiratory viruses and poor air quality on top of all those things, they all have a synergistic effect and they can lead to very severe air saculitis and very severe clinical signs. Well, it sounds like a pretty messy situation. I'm glad it you're on top of it. It is very messy. Thank you. We have been talking to Nola Ferguson. She's a veterinarian and associate professor at the University of Georgia. Thanks for updating us on that disease. Very important stuff. Thank you.